Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nichol. This week on the program, Ren will help us find ways to incorporate agile project management techniques into everyday life. And Ren, I know that there are a lot of people who do not really want their work to follow them home, but in this case, it's not just okay, but it's really very clever. Tell us what the core message of what you have named Living La Vida Agile, what, what is that? Well, what it really talks about is taking the practices that are proven, that we now work with teams to increase engagement and effectiveness and reduce stress, Mm-hmm. and bring those home because who doesn't want to have better connections with our family members? We all do. Sure. Um, we all would like to see our lives run smoother and better organized. And who isn't looking for a way to reduce stress? Um, we all are. Agreed. Right? At, at some level or another, to some degree or another, we all are. And what I found is that these practices that work in the workplace also work in the home place. Hmm. So a lot of the work you do is is very analytical, and Mm -hmm. it gives you lots of of different kinds of insights. Can you give us an example, say, of cost-benefit ratios that you use at home? Sure. And... When people see the presentation, because I'll tell you how to do that later, but um, you have a long history of using work practices at home. And part of that is when I've done major purchases or even career decisions, mm-hmm. I've done a cost-benefit analysis. Um, so, you know, what are the costs of, like, my current career choice of traveling uh, frequently, mm-hmm. and what are the benefits? What am I getting out of it because of the um, very different level of engagement and interaction that what I have with my customers mm-hmm. and my clients? And you know, so it's that kind of approach. I do the same thing with financial decisions, and I've I've taught people this a long time um, about uh, you know making car purchases Hmm. and where to understand and cars and homes and vacations, what is the emotional component, but also what is the financial impacts of those decisions. And, you know, it's funny how many people decide after going through that process, I don't need a brand new car. I actually would be happier with a car that's two years old. Yeah. Because it's less expensive. (laughs) So there's less financial stress. But I'm still getting all the benefits of having a newer car. So that's just one of many examples. Yeah, that's a very rational approach to what, in the case of a car or a vacation, can really be emotional mm-hmm. decisions. You know, I know that for me, having a, a brand new car is kind of cool. But like you say, um, if you really apply the dollars and cents to it, it's not as beneficial, mm-hmm. and um, the costs are far outweigh the benefit of the brand new versus, as you say, the two-year-old. And maybe you can still get those emotional needs met in a slightly different way. Yeah. And, and, and just doing the analysis, just the process 
it's so funny how infrequently <laughs> uh, when I'm working with families, we actually look at the results. Mm-hmm. The process usually helps fine-tune the decision-making. That's such a good word, and, you know, like I say, um, really adds the rationality to decision-making that probably, and maybe you can say a word about this, but mm-hmm. lessens conflict in the home, you think? Oh, absolutely, especially when there's when there's... That's one of the great things about having a tool like a cost-benefit analysis and some of the other things that we're going to be talking about today mm-hmm. is um, having a predefined process. Everybody knows what it is. It um, is uh, fairly and equitably applied. Uh, that, just all by itself, and there's a crazy amount of science that supports this, just having that takes a lot of stress and emotion out of a situation, work and home. And then when we add some of the things we're going to talk about around transparency and honesty Mm -hmm. in the conversations, you see that emotional level come down, the volume comes down, the stress level comes down, but also our understanding of our family members increases, so our engagement goes up. That all by itself um, is worth tuning in to hear. And, um, but we got a lot more other things to talk about in the time we have, so I'm going to press ahead. Um, you devised a color-coded label system for, for boxes when you, were, when you were moving. Now, tell us about that. More, more than once. Um, and it was kind of a little traditional waterfall about it and a little agile about it, but I've moved quite a few times, very Mm -hmm. long moves, um, more than once, 3,000 miles um, in one move. Those are very big, stressful things. Mm -hmm. And how I have worked with our family, my family and everybody to manage it is creating a project plan. And over the years, with each move, we actually talk after the move so that we can improve it for the next one. And one of the things that's so funny that people notice is every single box and everything has a color-coded label. The movers get a layout of the house that's color-coded that tells them what room each color is. So, for example, the master bedroom is green. So mm-hmm. if the label on the box is green, it goes in the master bedroom. The kitchen is blue. And so if the label on the box is blue, that goes on the kitchen. And we started doing this to just, really me, I'll be honest, started doing this to help my own organization. But also, how frustrating is it when you are moving and you have to keep moving boxes from room to room because they're in the wrong room. Yep. And with these long moves, we almost always have movers, right? Either Mm -hmm. friends or professionals. And they leave, and you're stuck moving these boxes by yourself. Yep. And it's not the easiest thing in the world. So that's what kind of started the color coding the labels. And then in the beginning, it was just a little color. And over the years, it's become the colors become bigger and bolder and more blatant. And, you know, because like I said, we, we would talk afterwards, well, how did this move go? <laughs> and what can we do to make it better next time? 
And so then we even got to the point now where we have signs that go on the doors to all the rooms that are also color-coded that match the labels to make it even easier for people to go, oh, kitchen is blue. This has a blue label. This goes in the kitchen. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, so there's been a lot of, um, I'm going to say 15 years Mm-hmm. Of protect of perfecting <laughs> this moving technique. That's really something. We had to move a couple of, well, I guess a year and a half ago, and we labeled the boxes to go which room they went into. But the colors would have made it a lot easier to say, okay, this is the master bedroom. Oh, this is for the kitchen. Um, man, that's yeah. It's, and you had to move boxes afterwards, didn't you? Because I'm still wrong. moving boxes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's so frustrating, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you feel like you're still moving weeks and months after you actually moved. And that was one of the things that this process gets rid of. You you move once and you're done. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I guess it's kind of one of those things like, it's so simple. Why didn't, you know, why didn't, why didn't I think of that? But <laughs> But maybe it's part of the, magic of of this approach this agile approach to organization right because we're always continuously improving and looking from for ideas from the people around us mm-hmm. looking for ideas from our family because they're our team members uh to to make things a little bit better absolutely now the the <laughs> kanban board you used a kanban board to plan the holidays and first, right. for for people who may not know, tell us what a Kanban board is. Uh, a Kanban board is uh, been around for a while, and it's a pretty standard agile technique. And it's just a way of organizing work. It's almost always on a wall, but a lot of times now people are putting it in different software systems, but obviously in our house it was on the wall. Mm-hmm. And we create what is the backlog, So that's all the work that has to be done. And then there's another column that's for in progress, so what we're doing right now. Another column for what um, is completed. And usually an adult has to review that and say, yes, you've cleaned the kitchen Mm -hmm. well, good job, right? And then the last column is done. Mm. So... Um, each of the user stories that are in the backlog and go through the Kanban board, um, you want to get them to done. And one of the things that we do is we also then have um, horizontal lines for each person. Mm. So you can clearly see who's working on what and where in the process each of their user stories are. The big thing that kids like, and this is very human, everybody likes this, they want to see what's done. Um, and they want to see how many story points they have done. Um, it, it's just how human beings, we right. like things it, to be done. It's right? kind of competitive in a way. But it, Yeah, and it's very visual. And so, it's, you know, it takes a very short period of time. Usually it takes an hour or two working with it for most people to be able to read it. And then once you learn how to read a Kanban board, it, it takes you seconds to read it and assess how things are going. Now, you mentioned user stories, and when I was uh, you know, prepping for the, the show this week, I, I saw some online. What, what makes a user story different 
than a than a post-it note. Sure. Use a story that I've been that I've been using with um, families is a little more generic. Um, it's bigger than the age task normally, mm-hmm. but it's something that needs to get done. Uh, we do write it on and record it on, on a post-it note. Um, I usually encourage people to use super sticky post-it notes because they won't fall off the wall. Mm. <laughs> um, and you can move them around. They'll re-stick on the wall better. But um, So like I gave you the example of cleaning the kitchen. Right. That's a, that's a good user story. It's not really big. But sometimes you'll have bigger ones. Um, you know, we had we had a user story that was um, over Christmas that started this that was bake a dozen cookies. Yes, that's a pretty big user story, right? Yeah. Um, but it, but it's very defined, so you know what entails baking a dozen cookies, what is not baking a dozen cookies, right? And in anyone would have a concept of how long, how much effort that would be. So it's that way that is a really well defined user story. Mm-hmm. Um things that we learned um have to be more defined. Like a user story that says cleaning clean the yard is usually a little too generic. Yeah. Because uh, that could mean a lot of things. Do you need to mow the yard too? Is that raking the leaves? Do you have to pick up? Is there branches off the trees that need to be picked up and broken down and put in a wood pile? Is it you know? There's so many things that could be clean the yard. Yeah, uh, trimming the trees, trimming the bushes, edging. Yeah, there's a lot more yeah. to it. I, I see. Right, and mean. so what I work with people to do, and we do in our family, is each one of those examples that you just gave would be its own user story. Okay. Because it's defined, and it's very specific. Right. Okay, now I get it. Now, you ended up then with 147 different user stories for for your holiday-related <laughs> activities between Halloween right. and New Year's. Did you do all of them? No. 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 That was one of the things that was so brilliant about this. So the story in the presentation, this is a true story, instigated this, is um, I was just completely overwhelmed with everything I knew needed to be done for the holidays and the family needed to do. And it was so overwhelming, I didn't even know what to ask for. Mm. I think we've all been there, right? Yeah. And so that's when I just like, I just was my agile self and I <laughs> I took a picture off the wall in the kitchen and I took over the kitchen wall mm-hmm. and I created a Kanban board and I just started writing user stories. And it was everything that I knew needed to get done um, or thought, let's put it that way, thought needed to get done. There's 147 user stories. And then I brought everybody in and we started prioritizing the work Hmm. and saying, what was really important? Buying presents for other people, very important. Um, Making the uh, cookies uh, to take to the in-laws, very important. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden there were things that weren't as important and started to fall off the list. And we noticed that over the weeks, they were never prioritized and brought into the sprints that we're working on and onto the Kanban board. And, and it's funny how you think 
these things have to be done. Yeah. I have to get that done. But then when you really put it in context of everything else that's going on, it stops being very important. And that was one of, that's one of the really powerful things about this prior, this process is when we force ourselves to prioritize as a family what needs to be done. It is amazing how many things fall off the list. And I guess, too, with the prioritization and kind of everybody in your family agreeing on what's a priority versus what isn't, again, less conflict? Way less conflict. And one of the things that um, I've experienced personally and I've witnessed in other families is the conversation that happens when, especially with our kids, in teaching them prioritization, but also helping them understand the thought process that we go through Mm -hmm. in prioritizing work and and what's important, it, it, it reduces a lot of conflict. Because one of the things we're not always very good at is expressing to kids the why behind our decisions. And what I love about this, if we're being good agilists at home, every agilist knows the most important question you ever have to answer is why. Yes. Well, let's take that home and start answering that question for our kids because they want to know the answer. And they often need to know the answer from us, and we rarely tell them. So when we're deprioritizing something that seemed important to them and we explain to them why, Oh, the, 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 there's a huge leap in understanding. The other thing it does, it gives them an opportunity to counter that and say, I, I hear you, but this is why this is really important to me. And that's something that we as parents and adults and a family often don't hear either, mm-hmm. is why something, the why from the kids. We just hear, I want it, yeah. or I want to do that, or I need it. But we very rarely ask them why. And that's part of the requirement of this process is we have to share the why. Well, and again, it takes it out of the emotional realm and into the rational. And, um, you know, every, every kid has asked why and been told because I said so. But <laughs> that's a really... Worst un- answer ever, right? Yeah, but we've yeah. all done it. Absolutely. I've done it. Yeah, and so it takes it out of the because I said so to, well, we don't have time to do X and Y together. It it facilitates understanding is kind of what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's cool. So the reaction before and after when you when you proposed this idea, you know, hello family, I'm gonna propose the Kanban board reactions before and after, what were they like? The before well because it was <laughs> the first time we did it was with uh, my family, they were like, oh, okay, she's making us do one of her work things again. <laughs> All right, we'll go along. Um, but after, it really was only a couple of days, and they really got into it. Um, because, you know, we assigned story points. Each person in the family took a certain number of story points. They could see their progress. Uh, We had agreed that at the end of um, uh, each, you know, we do a two-week sprint. So at the end of each two weeks, we would do something together as a family if we had a successful sprint. Mm -hmm. So if everybody finished all their work that they committed to, then we would do something together as a family. Um, So there was a built-in 
rewards. Um, when, and then what we did is we actually went um, to a um, haunted park. Oh. The the girls love haunted houses, so do I. We just we have way too much fun. And then um, at dinner, I took them to dinner first, and then we went to the haunted park. And at dinner, we did a sprint retrospective. Oh. I didn't call it that, but that's what we did. And I said, well, what about this do you like? What don't you like? What should we make some changes? What do we want to keep doing? And it was really kind of interesting to hear their feedback. They loved the prioritization. They loved the equity, that everybody had the same number of story points. Um, they loved that the rewards were all based on experiences and things that we would do together. So it wasn't like, you know, we have a successful sprint in an Xbox. Yeah. Like you said, it was, we have a successful sprint, let's go do something together. Um, so in it, in, and it's been really interesting working with other families and seeing the same things. The kids start out a little dubious, I'll say, mm-hmm. um, and then they wind up being the biggest proponents pretty quickly and that, saying we really like that. Yeah, that's just so um that's just so impressive that uh they became the advocates for the program when they were I guess it's fair to say um skeptical going in. What I give back again and again and and um one of the families uh they gave me pictures for the presentation and they said one of the things that they like is that the kids really respond to the transparency. Mm-hmm. There's an, everybody knows what everyone else is committed to. Everybody knows they have the same number of story points as a goal. Uh, there, so there's a built in sense of, um, equity. Right. And everybody's a part of this and everybody's planning it. And kids aren't assigned the work. You let, let them volunteer. Let them grab what they want to do. And they really like that. So they're going to they're gonna tell you what they like to do and what they're good at. And there's probably less refrains of, it's not fair, that's not fair, because they get that to pick it themselves. That actually goes away really quickly. Boy. <laughs> really quickly. Um, really quickly. Yeah, and that... I've gotten that. So many families have said that, like, the temper tantrums are gone. <clears throat> You know, be, you know that we've the temper tantrums before chores time mm-hmm. gone. Hey, I'm grown right? and I don't want to do chores, and I have a temper tantrum, so <laughs> I understand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and you know, and the, the whole fairness is a it's an incredibly fair process, and so those complaints go away. That's really You're something. Right. Now, what other agile practices are there that a family could could put to good use? Sure. One of the things that, um, you know, I'm doing and I know some other people are doing are the daily stand-up. So it's just a quick 10 minutes that mm. you check in with each other and you say, and it could be any time of the day, just I really encourage families to pick the same time of the day, mm-hmm. get in the habit of always connecting with each other every day at the same time. And just say, you know, what did you do yesterday? What do you got to, you know, plan today? Um, And what were your wins? And is there anything um, blocking you or keeping you from being um, successful? Right. And in the beginning, you know, kids are kind of quiet and 
you know, they never know what to say. But it's funny how how quickly they get into it. And all of a sudden, this is one of this was a big win for me. I stopped being surprised by school events. Oh. Okay. Right? That has happened to all of us. Yeah. And that stops happening because they got in the habit. They knew every morning they they could tell me, oh, I've got a choir concert next Thursday. Okay. You know, it, it and I would always tell them, well, here are my travel plans. You know, this is what's going on too. And even when I'm away, we do the stand-ups and it really helps me feel connected with what's going on. Oh, that's just... Home. So in addition to not having to hear it's not fair, they don't have to hear why didn't you tell me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things that the stand-ups do is get rid of or as much as humanly possible, uh, get rid of those kind of surprises. Yeah, rude, rude and unwelcome type of yeah. surprises. Some of the other things I've worked with families on is creating uh, more advanced families. Really like to create a family manifesto. Hmm. So these are our values as a family, and these is this is what we stand for and what's important to us. That is especially when you have teenagers. Yes. Or they're really I recommend preteen teenagers. That's a fantastic conversation to have with them. Mm-hmm. Revisit it every year or so. Um, and I already kind of touched on, um, you know, having defined sprints. Um, sometimes it's just a weekend, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a couple weeks. But have a time box in which people have to get their work done. Mm-hmm. Um, these are really important life skills that we're teaching here too. So yes. it's really helping the family be better engaged with the, with each other and reducing stress. But these are like amazing life skills to be teaching your kids. And it's easier to learn it now than it is in their 20s yeah. or their 30s. So let's teach them now. Uh, you know, so those are some really uh, good ones. I'm going to be working on some more mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. I keep getting more questions. So the family already knows that they're going to be experimented on. <laughs> over the next few Human months. experimentation, kind of but the good kind. Um, yes, exactly. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, really all the outcomes are so incredibly positive that, you know, how, why would they mind, you know, um, if experience in your household is a teacher to them, then they're going to say, well, great, you know, teach us more. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the powerful things about the Daily Standard, by the way, is teaching your kids that they're so important to you that you are going to prioritize everything else around that 10, 15 minutes a day that you're focused on. Yes. That's really powerful for kids and adults. Let's be honest. Yeah. The adults really like it too. Well, it, it facilitates, and I say this again, communication. And Mm -hmm. who's more important than, than your family, nobody. Right. But how many Absolutely. days of a week do you go by that you don't, you know, say really say a word to your kids or say a word to your spouse? Yeah. Right, and and the daily stand-up is a very focused time. Man, just on them, right? Absolutely. I'm very powerful. I'm thinking of putting this to work like today. So it sounded like um, such a creative approach and. Um, with the time we have left, Ren, you you gave this presentation 
on Living La Vida Agile at uh, or during a lightning talk at the Rally On conference in, in Phoenix. And I was curious mm-hmm. how well received the talk was. I got really good uh, feedback uh, from people, uh, really great questions. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I know that I have some more work to do because um, people want me to solve some some problems that they have and see if there's an agile technique or practice we can do. Um, I do have the slide presentation and I will be making that available on YouTube and on the website um, on or before June 28th. Yes. Um, And also, you know, probably going to be doing, uh, like I said, I've gotten more questions and more suggestions, have more experimenting. So I'm sure people will hear more about this in the future. And I'm sure they'll be glad to know that because um, I've been, you know, hinting at this on the program for the past several weeks, how really clever I thought this approach was. And um, I'm more convinced than ever that uh, this is something that's going to have so much value for people and taking this agile project management approach to home life is... um, Mm-hmm. I don't want to say silver bullet, but it's pretty darn close. Yeah. And through the magic of deadlines, as Ren says, the 28th of June is mm-hmm. kind of uh, what we've assigned ourselves to have the whole presentation up and available on her YouTube channel and, of course, via the website, which is com. And it's worth reminding those of you who don't listen via the website that you can be in touch with Wren. You can download her white paper at wrenmelberg.com. We have lots of people who listen via iTunes and via SoundCloud, so it's always a good idea to remind folks. www.wrenmelberg.com Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next week for another edition of The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg.